on the floor. Now my jewelry box froze. Fuck a bowl, fuck a stove. Counted millions in a cold. Bad bitch, booted swole. Got her on bank roll. Can't fold, that's a no. Headshot, case closed. What is up, guys? It's Andy Priscilla, and this is the show for the real. Let's say goodbye to the lies, the fakeness, and delusions of modern society. And welcome to motherfucking reality, guys. Today we have Q and AF. That's where uh, you submit the questions. And we give you the AFs. Now, uh, you could submit your questions a couple different ways. The first way is, guys, you can email your questions to askandy at andyforsella.com. Or you can go on YouTube and on the Q&A episodes, you can drop your questions in the comments and we'll answer some from there as well. Other times, we have CTI. That stands for Cruise the Internet. That's where uh, we put topics up on the screen. We speculate on what's true, what's bullshit. And then we talk about what we the people can do to solve some of these problems going on in the world. Other times we have real talk. Real talk is just five to 20 minutes of me giving you some real talk. And then other times we have 75 hard verses. 75 hard verses is where we bring people on who have completed 75 hard, talk about how they were before, how they are after, and then we talk about how you can fix what's going on with you as well. If you want the 75 hard program, which is the first phase of the Live Hard program, you can get it for free at episode 208 uh, on the audio feeds only. And then uh, other times we have full length. Full length is where we just bring someone on and we have a talk. I know I said I wasn't going to do many of those, but I think we're going to bring those back because I like them. Anyway, Q&AF, and we have a special guest. Got my friend back in the house, my good buddy, Lane Norton. What's happening, bro? It's good to see you. Good to be back. Yeah. What's yeah. been going on? A lot of the same, just yeah. doing business, lifting heavy, and yeah. doing the dad thing. Calling motherfuckers out on the internet. I do yeah. some of that, you know. Yeah. Uh, the kind of the science-based side of things, you know, yeah. um, you know, it's ruffling some ruffling some feathers. It's a hard job, but somebody's got to do it. It is know? what it is. Although I will say, like, I'm seeing so many more evidence-based people coming out and doing like, kind of like my debunk style videos, and uh, people have said to me like, "Doesn't that bother you?" And I'm like, "No, I think it's great. Yeah, like we need more people. I've felt like I've been out on an island for a long time doing yeah. this stuff, you know. So I've seen I a lot of that too. I've yeah, seen a lot of the young. Uh, they're, they're like guys in their mid twenties that are starting to kind of like take up that same style. Yeah. Um, even some females too. Yeah. I haven't seen any of that. I've seen, I've seen a few, de I, I only see them cause you, you shout them out on your page. Yeah. Um, which I think is cool, you know? Yeah. So. Heck yeah. Like I, I mean, I tell everybody like, I, yeah, we're all in competition, but it's like, you know, I don't, not nearly as big, but I don't supplement line, but we're not in competition. Mm -hmm. Like. I care about good folks in the industry is yeah. I want to align myself with as many like good people as I can, because to me, like rising tide floats all ships. And I, I, I think know, that's, that's common. I think that's become like you and I have been in the industry for like literally the exact same amount of time. Do you feel like that it's been, that that's changed? Because I feel like personally it used to not be that way. I felt like, the owners of companies weren't friends and people didn't get along and like everybody kind of just fucking hated each other. And then recently over the last like four or five years, people have started to like realize like, oh shit, we're kind of on this little boat all together and we should sort of work together. Otherwise the entire government system and everything that we have going on makes it hard for us to exist. You know, I feel like there's been a lot more, uh, I don't know, friendships. Maybe it's just me. I don't know. I think, you know, the internet's not great for some things, but I do think it has brought people in some ways closer together. Yeah. I think, you know, when we, when I first got in, 
like I didn't know a bunch of owners from back then, but I think things are more siloed. Mm-hmm. You know, you didn't really interact with that people that much except at trade shows. Mm-hmm. Now it's like you you never know if somebody's going to be the same way they are online. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, I, I had a pretty good idea coming to meet you. Like you and Sal were going to be the same way yeah. you are on social. And I think like you think I'm probably yeah, the same way. For sure. So like you can kind of get a feel for, oh, you know, I think I'd vibe with this person. I think we'd get along that sort of thing. Um, whereas before, you know, if it's just like you're seeing another company's ads in a magazine or something like that, or, you know, it's so easy to become yeah. adversarial, you know? And I think now it's kind of like, I just want to see good people win. Yeah. You know, because to me, if I take care of my stuff, like my stuff's going to be fine. You know, I don't need to be in competition with somebody else. Yeah. Uh, question number one, uh, guys, in a recent Andy Graham, uh, Andy, you have mentioned learning to forgive others uh, that made mistakes. Does that mean you still need to be friends with them after you forgive them? Um, it's hard after friendship trust gets broken uh, to still talk to them. What's your take on this? Forgiveness uh, and continuing relationships. Yeah, no, I don't think you have to continue to be friends. In fact, I think you should be very selective on who you call your friends. And I think that who your friends should be should be people like Lane has just talked about a minute ago that want you to win, that are willing to help you win, even when that's uncomfortable. So that's that's a, a, a criteria that is very hard for people to stand up and step into um, for a lot of different reasons. You know, it could be their background. It could be, you know, where they come from. It could be their level of insecurity. But it's very rare that we can find people that truly want us to win and are happy for us when we win. And um, when you find those people who want you to win, who are happy for you when you win, and who also help you win, and sometimes you have to understand that helping you win is maybe telling you some shit that you would rather not hear, but need to hear. Um, those are your friends, man. And outside of that, those people aren't your friends. And so I think the term friend gets tossed around very loosely today, especially with social media, which is kind of you know what we were talking about earlier. I feel like everybody thinks that everybody's their friend. And I can tell you for experience and extensive life experience, you have very few friends. If you think you have a lot of friends, you do not have a lot of friends. You have a lot of people you know, you have very few friends. Your real friends, you know, <clears throat> they're going to contribute to your life in every single way possible. They're not going to install seeds of doubt in your brain. They're not going to cut you down. They're not going to be the person like this, right? Because we have two kinds of people. We have the kind of people that will tell you you're great, tell you you're great, tell you you're great, even when you're not great. And those people come along after you've had some success. When you've had some success- Those are the you, most dangerous ones. Yeah, bro, they're gonna come along and they're gonna tell you, you're the best, you're the greatest, yeah, 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 yeah. And and dude, you'll believe it because you know, you've have some proof of that in reality. Yeah. So you're starting to think like, okay, yeah, I am the best. And then you have the other kind of person. And the other kind of person is equally as damaging. These are the kind of people that think, that because everybody tells you yes, that they are required to always tell you no. And they are always required to tell you, you know, you're not as good as you think you are. And they'll say things like this. They'll say, look, man, I'm not going to be one of these people that kisses your ass. And they'll they'll preface everything they say like that. Or, hey, Andy, I know everybody's always tell, kissing your ass. So, you know, somebody's got to tell you. And those people will constantly tell you all the negative shit. So you have to find the people who are real, the people who will tell you when you're doing good, but also like Lane said a minute ago about his buddy, Mike, they'll say, Hey, 
that's not you, bro. Don't do that. You know what I'm saying? And those people are few and far between. And and you should and you should try to be one of those people as much as you possibly can to as many people as you can. But you should also expect that not many people are going to live up to that back to you. And so when people fuck with you or they do something wrong or they fuck you over or, or I was talking to one of my good friends yesterday. Uh, he had this guy, you know him too, uh, honey. Okay. And I was talking to honey and we were talking about a relationship that he had with a previous athlete. This previous athlete had basically trashed him in public, said all kinds of lies about him, did all this stuff, and then came around years later and tried to apologize. And Honey's like, dude, you, and this is to me, right? He's telling me this. He's like, dude, this guy has no idea the pain, the stress, the frustration, the damage that he's caused to something that I've worked my whole life to create. And, you know, I don't have any hard feelings, but fuck that guy, you know? (laughs) And like, that's sometimes where you need to draw the boundary. You know, like we have to be real. We we can forgive people. We can say, hey, it's all good and never talk to them again and let them go live their life. And in fact, it's usually a good idea because if you continue to forgive those people and then let them close to you again, that likelihood of them repeating the same kind of shit over and over again is very high. Yeah. And that's coming from someone who's 44 years old, who's had enough of these experiences to at some points in my life make me very bitter about people. So I, I think um, I'm not a mental health expert, but uh, one of my friends, John Deloney, is and he says, you know, forgiveness is not for the other person. Forgiveness right. is for you. Right now, I guess where I stand is and I'm definitely more on the side of like somebody apologized to me. I'm like immediately like going to pull them back in that sort of stuff. Yeah. I think what I would Dude, say you is and like, I are so much alike like that. I think what I would say is, um, you know, the context is important. Like, what was the what was the disagreement over? What was the how did they hurt you? Right. Like if it's like, oh, they were an, two hours late for dinner or didn't show up or something like that. OK, yeah, well, that's, of course. That's one thing. Somebody stole money from you. Yeah. Somebody, you know, lied about you. Somebody really harmed you in some way. Compromise you know, the values. It, yeah. 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 End of the day, it's kind of like you have to make that decision whether or not you think that's a friendship worth continuing. What I will say is, like, make them prove it. You know, don't put them in a position where they can hurt you like that until they have consistently proven it. I think the one thing that stood out to me when you were talking about like the the right kind of friends is will somebody show up for you even if it doesn't benefit them right in some way. Now, at some point, um, and I've said this to a number of friends, like, man, I hope I you know I hope I don't ever have to repay you this way, showing up for you this way, because I mean you're in a hard place, but you know, I would I would love to be able to show up for you the way you've shown up for me, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and so that's why I think the friendship is reciprocal, but it's not like, what can you do for me? What can I do for you? It's like, I love this person. I think they're a great person. How can I support them best? Mm-hmm. You know? And um, so you really have to make that decision, whether how much you value it, how long was the friendship? You know, how many times did they show up for you? Was this just a, that's where people, people do stuff out of character sometimes. Yes. Like it happens. Especially when it. they want shit. Yeah. I think that's an important point you're hitting on there, brother. You have to evaluate, was the friend ever really a friend? Mm-hmm. Was this person ever really your friend or were they along for the ride? Or were they there because you knew them from way back in the day? Right. Like just because you've known someone for five years or you 10 years or you went to high school with them or you went to college with them, that doesn't mean that they're your friend, dude. Mm-hmm. That just, just known them for Yeah, a long that's time. correct. Yeah. But like we have this idea that everybody's friends and that doesn't make... What I'm now that doesn't make everybody else your enemy. Mm-hmm. There's three classes of people here, right? There's there's enemies, 
then there's acquaintances, people that you know and generally like and can drink a beer with and hang out with and be cool. And then you got friends and that friend group should be really tight, and really small. And um, that's been the experience of my life. And you and I, I think are a lot alike, dude. You know, we give people the benefit of the doubt. We give a lot of grace. Um, we, we, when people wrong us, we want to forgive them because we want to resolve the issue, but we have to also be smart to not invite these issues back into our lives from someone who has a faulty character trait, for example, right? Sometimes people just can't be there and be the right kind of friend that, that we have yeah. well, or I that think, we need. I'm sorry. I think one of the things that I heard that was, um, that I've used a lot is you can love someone from a distance. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like sometimes you can love somebody. I'm not just talking about romantic relationships, right. or, you know, friendships too. Cause you That's can a good love point. somebody family. Sure. and know that their family you can love somebody and know that their presence in your life is not good for you. Like, does somebody, Bro. you know, and, and I think like, so again, John, I'm going to, I'm going to use him. He always, when people will call his show and he has a great podcast, by the way, everybody should listen to it. When people call his show, he'll talk about, I never thought about this. He's like, he'll identify what's happening in their body. What, what's happening in your body. Right. And he'll talk about it. I never thought about anxiety and stress that way, right? But like it does show up in your body. We think about it all here, right? But it shows up in your body. And I know like, and I went through a lot of stress over the last couple of years. And once I started making changes to like get out of the things that were really causing me a lot of stress, I mean, not only did I feel better, I physically got stronger in the gym. Yeah. Like mm. pretty rapidly. I mean, it was crazy how it works out. Yeah. And so when you're around somebody, do you, do you generally feel at ease? Do you feel like you can be yourself? Do you feel like you can let your guard down? Or do you feel like, you know, like I got to protect myself. Like I got to have my guard up. If I say that, like you want to be around people who put you at ease. Yeah. Right? Mm. Like it's almost like a, a, a regulation. You know what I mean? And even if you got to have a hard conversation, can you have that hard conversation and still feel a little bit of a sense of peace. Cause I mean, some people will say they like hard conversation. Nobody likes hard conversations with people they love. Like it's, it, it's, it always sucks, but can you, can they do it in a way? Can you do it in a way in their presence? Cause sometimes it's a dynamic, right? It's not just one person. It's a dynamic, but can you do it in a way where you still feel safe and you feel at ease? Those are the kind of people you want to have around you. But if you're like, you know, feel like you're, whether it's a family member, friend, romantic partner, you're like walking on eggshells all the time. You're constantly, you know, kind of in defense mode. They may not be a bad person, but they're bad for you, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, I think one of the things too, it's like, you know, this misconception, your friend group is going to change yep. Yep. and that's okay. Like that's okay, and like I'm, it's gonna, I'm young, but I've DJ, been it's going to change many, many times. That's what I'm saying. I'm young, and I've done been through three different friend groups yeah. just in my lifetime, my short lifetime now, and it's like just getting to the point where it's like it's okay, like that's yeah. fine, you know, like not like you know, and I think what it is because I was over thinking about it, you know, you watch these movies growing up as a kid, and you know, watch movies like Little Rascals, and you're like, oh man, we're, we're gonna be friends forever, and so you have this like. Uh, this expectation that, you know, your friends you grew up with that from the neighborhood or, the, you know, the school you went to, like, you're going to be lifelong friends. And, like, the reality is those things, like, those situations are so far and few in between 
it doesn't happen. You know what I'm saying? So like knowing that like your purpose in life is to grow and elevate, that means the people around you are going to have to grow and elevate or just change in, change in, in, in general. Some people are there for good and some people are there for a season. Yeah, and I also think, dude, I think it's important for us, like what you said about loving them from afar, I think it's important to recognize that the world, you would be a lot happier, and I'm speaking to all of you, you would be a lot happier if you would take the position that you can not be as close of friends with someone and still want them to win, still want them to do good, Mm -hmm. still be there if they need something. Like, bro, I take the approach of like being at ease around everybody, until they give me a reason not to, yeah, you know? And, um, but I also take the approach of not letting people in my proximity as easily as I once did. Mm. So, um, I don't know. I think navigating these issues is definitely something with nuance and there's all kinds of ways you can look at it, but ultimately, you know, DJ's correct. Your friend group's going to evolve. You're going to grow. And if you're not growing and your friendship isn't, your friend group isn't evol- uh, evolving, it's probably a sign that, that you need to maybe do some growth on your own. Yeah, because they can leave you just as easily. Yeah, dude. Yeah. <laughs> and just, you know, make sure, again, back to the kind of the core question. Like, ask yourself, is this, is, I, I don't, I think people are their habits. You know, they're not, we've all done stuff at one time that was outside of our character. Yeah. You know, and so. And none of us are perfect. Right. And so. Really, and, and by the way, bro. Guess what? You're probably going to do some shit outside your character again at some point in your life. And so will I and so will him and so will everybody here listening. Yeah. You know, that's that's the unfortunate uh, condition called being human. Yeah. So I think, again, that careful balance between accountability and yeah. shame, right? Where it's like um, being able to, because you can be too easy on yourself. You're like, well, I don't, uh, you know, I'm human, this and that. People can justify a lot of stuff by saying, well, I'm you're human. Yeah. You know? Oh, no, I'm not saying that as an excuse. No, no, right. I'm saying that from the, because like, dude, remember, we we come from the place of the internal dialogue that, like, my internal dialogue when I fuck up is not like, oh, bro, you know, it's all good, everything's going to be fine. It's like, bro, you're the biggest fucking piece of shit that walks (laughs) the face of the, like, that's, my shit is, like, you guys think I'm hard on everybody else? Dude, if you heard my internal shit... You know, and and people are gonna say, "Well, that's unhealthy." No shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and it's I again. So you you pointed out it's it's nuance, right? At the end of the day, you, me, DJ, we're not gonna be able to tell you like, should you still have a relationship with somebody yeah. who hurt you? It, it's really gonna boil down to your values, their values, and all we'll say, all I'll say is, you know, if you choose to bring that person back in your life, okay, just. Do it stepwise and pay attention and pay attention and, you know, be open, but also protect yourself. Yeah. Right? Don't put them in a position where they can hurt you. Yeah. Uh, guys, question number two. Uh, I'm a first year med student and I'm getting my ass kicked. Uh, it's only been a month. There's a lot thrown at me at once and I constantly feel behind. I know to improve. It's a combination of managing my time better and me not being efficient with the work that I'm doing. Um, I don't believe I have built the proper skill set just yet. Um, I have been using the powerless, um, but I'm only finishing two or three of my five critical tasks that I need to get done each day. The problem is everything compounds uh, and the work still needs to get done regardless. Uh, Andy, do you guys have any advice for time management? And more importantly, how do I make sure I'm working more efficiently? 
So um, <clears throat> I think knowing yourself, this is a very individual thing. So I was somebody, I have very severe ADHD. I was diagnosed when I was six years old. When I was doing grad school, undergrad, um, things didn't really come easy for me. Like I had to study a lot. And um, I think a lot of times we, we end up comparing ourselves to other people and that like, we feel like, oh, I'm, I'm doing this wrong. There must be something wrong. I know for me, first off, when I study, I'm going to lay on the ground. I don't know why I can't be at a desk, right? The other thing I'm going to do is I'm going to go hard for 30, 40 minutes with background noise. I don't know why I can't study in silence. And then I'm going to take a 10 to 20 minute break because I just know for me, if I try to go hard for multiple hours, once I get hour one, two, it's like now I've got to take an even longer break to reset myself. Now, I'm not saying this is what this person should do. But I know myself, I found that over time. I think the other thing is really, it sounds like, and I, I'm, I'm kind of trying to read between the lines. It sounds like he's getting a little bit overwhelmed and then that like has a freeze response. Yes. Right? You go, I, I, I can't do anything. I've been there. I can tell you there have been so many times in my life where I'm like, there is no way I can get done everything I need to get done. And you can start to stew in that and then not do anything. And then by the time you actually try to get it done after you've gone through that anxiety, like then it is too late. What I'll say is like, try to disconnect your feelings and go into execution mode. Maybe you can't get it all done, but stewing about it is not going to change anything. So focus on, okay, what is the most pressing, uh, like what is something, what is the thing that is most important, that is also very time sensitive. Let's work on that right now, right? Um, where in, in, in the case of school, you know, usually what I look at is, okay, this area of this topic, let's say in biochemistry, I feel like I've got this down pretty good. I'm struggling here. Now I could, I'm at 95% here. I could put more time in and get to 100. Or I could go over to this thing where I'm at 60%, put in the same amount of time, maybe I get to 80 that's a bigger gain, right? So I'm gonna look at where my deficiencies are. And the other thing too is like, honestly, and I, I, I've never went to med school. I, again, I was a PhD research scientist, but man, I, I, I got my money's worth out of my professors. Like I was at their door asking questions, you know, and if not them, then the, the teacher's assistants. Like you're paying a lot of money to be in med school. Those people should be supporting you. So if you need help, go get help. Get in a study group. That's another thing I did. Like being involved with study groups, that helped me a lot because just conversating with people and it's kind of like lifting. Have you ever gone in for lifting and um, like I'm trying to show somebody how to squat? I can explain the squat five different ways. If whatever way on the fifth way of me giving them that cue, it clicks, right? Sometimes explaining, you know, in because they're obviously a scientist if they're in med school, explaining a mechanism in a different way or just hearing somebody else repeat it back to you, for whatever reason, all of a sudden it clicks. So I think being involved in study groups is a great idea. The other thing I'll say, and I think, because when I was at every level, I was like, man, this is overwhelming, this is overwhelming, this is overwhelming. Now I look at like, okay, owning, you know, either owning or having a piece of four different businesses um, that include over, you know, 20, 30 employees, um, and having two kids, one of whom is special needs. And then like a bunch of other stuff I'm doing competing. Like if I write it all down, I'm like, Oh man, you know, 
But I have gotten to the point where I can manage that over time because I built that resilience. And when I look back at what used to overwhelm me when I was doing my PhD, I'm like, oh, that's nothing compared to now. You know, but you you can't you acclimate get, to it. You acclimate to yes, it. Yes, that's people think there's like this. Like I used to think this that there was like a defined amount of willpower, and now psychologists have debunked this. So like there there's really there's no limit on this, but there probably is a limit at the moment in time where you're at, because you have it's like progressive overload for life. The more difficult stuff you do and get through, the more difficult stuff you can do and get through. And so what I'll say is. You may feel overwhelmed. I'm not saying your overwhelm isn't real, but your feelings will lie to you. Try to go into execution mode. Just focus on moving your feet forward with whatever you can do and getting support where you need it. And the, uh, here's the one other thing that I think a lot of people need to hear. You can't prioritize everything all at the same time. People talk a lot about life balance. Okay, I think over the course of your entire life, you should have a balance between work, life, family, friends. But at any one cross section of time, you are going to be unbalanced in some direction. Correct. Right? When I was in grad school, I was lifting and grad school. And that was pretty much it. There wasn't a whole lot of time for socializing. I did a little bit, but it was pretty rare. Right? But I, I that was fine with me because I knew what I was there for. Right? Then when I got out of grad school, I was, you know, biased towards you know, competing, um, and my businesses. And then when my kids were born, I was more biased towards like that. This shifts over time. And I think a lot of people get anxiety because they feel like they should be able to prioritize it all at once. And listen, we're all about like, Hey, good nutrition training, but Hey, while you're in med school, maybe you're just trying to maintain what you have, right? Like you're getting in two times a week. Cause right now, you have to focus on this because this is the priority because you're probably spending three, four hundred thousand yeah. dollars to be there, right? If that's really important to you. Right. Yeah. Right. So pick your priorities and realize not everything can be a priority at the same time. Yeah, dude. I like all that. I, I especially like the part that you talk about acclimation. Because when you first start something new, you know, he said it's only been a month. It's no different than we were talking about the cold plunge in the locker room, all right? The first time you get in some cold water, it doesn't have to be a cold plunge. It could be a cold swimming pool. This swimming pool could be, you know, 75 degrees, and you get in, you're like, ooh, this is cold. Ten minutes later, you're splashing around like an idiot, and you don't even notice it, all right? And this is how your skill set and stress management will work over the course of your life. You are overwhelmed now because this level of load is new to you now. And the best thing that you could do is not to go listen to one of these hippie motherfuckers on the internet about balance. The best thing you could do, no, for real, the best, dude, I'm just being honest, man. Yeah, balancing like you're going to, dude, these, these kids now, they see these motherfuckers out here. Fucking kids. Bro, in the van, traveling the world, living, those motherfuckers are going to be broke in 10 years, bro. Mm. Like you don't, I've already seen this. I've seen what those people end up becoming. You guys think that shit's new. It's not new. The same thing was when I was a kid. Like there was still those people, like when I was out hustling, when I was building my business and they were telling me, bro, you're working way too hard. You need to live your life. You need some balance. You need this, you need that. And now these same motherfuckers are asking me for a fucking job. Okay. So I fucking know exactly what the fuck that's about. Like real talk. I've experienced it in my life. It's not new. 
So when you're overwhelmed and you have the propensity or, you know, the inclination to read some of this shit on the internet that says, oh, I need to get some balance. And then you go away from the overwhelm. What you're doing is you're deconditioning yourself to handle the load that you need to be able to handle. So you're only prolonging the pain. So the reality is, is you should lean into the overwhelm, learn how to handle it, and you will acclimate to it. And what will happen as you acclimate to it, you become more effective and more efficient. And then some time opens up. All right. You start to have more time for other things. And so when we talk about, you know, how to handle these difficult situations, we've got to be real. You're not equipped to handle that yet. You're just not equipped. And it's day one, bro. This is build mode. Like when you start a business, I just had this talk with one of my teams yesterday. This is build mode. In build mode, it is 24 fucking seven. That's the way it fucking works. If you want to build something, all right? And you're trying to build a life. You're trying to build a medical career. We need good doctors, all right? It's important that you see this through. So my advice would be lean into this give it another six months. And what will happen is you're going to look back and be like, man, I can't believe I thought it was that hard. Yeah. You know, and that's what, how it'll end up being. For like if this was three years from now and you're asking this question, okay, maybe there's some issues with efficiency. One, one thing that I, I, I want to point out, man, because I think it's, it's so important that, that I've learned just, you know, since I've been with you, but more importantly than the last couple of weeks, man, it's like, you know, I think so often people, when they're getting into something and they start getting these these feelings, whether it's anxiety, whether whatever whatever it is, they look at them as if like these are problems and these are reasons why I should not be doing this. When the reality is, you're doing this. This is what comes with this, dude. This is how it's supposed to be. Absolutely, bro. Let me ask you something. And I'm at, oh, this is hypothetical for everybody listening. Tell me one good thing in your life that came without stress and anxiety and pressure. It doesn't exist. It does not exist. And when you feel the highest pressure, the highest stress, and the highest anxiety, when you're in the pursuit of something greater, it's a good indication that you're actually on the right path. It's a position that you want to actually be in because once you push through this time of extreme stress, pressure, and anxiety, on the other side is the fucking promised land that you've been looking for that nobody else ever gets to Because the minute that they get into that pressure, stress, and anxiety, they read some bullshit on the internet and they go live in a fucking van. Like that's what we're talking about here. You're not wrong. Dude, it's a universal set. Dude, we've all heard it. It's always darkest before the what? The dawn. Before the dawn. You have to push through the hard to get to the place you're trying to get to. And this is just a fundamental reality. And we have so many people on the internet trying to convince people that they found some other way. Okay, so you're the first person in 12,000 years of documented human history to find another way around this? Dude, you should be the richest motherfucker on the planet then. Like you 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 should have more money than Elon Musk because you found it. You have found the way to live your whole life free and easy and pain-free and stress-free and anxiety-free and still fucking win. Like, you found it, bro. Congratulations. You're being the history book. You know, like... He doesn't have strong opinions about this. Yeah. Uh, I just, I actually just gave a talk, like, my talk at University of Missouri yesterday was was kind of on this, and I, I called it, I love to relate things to lifting, okay, because obviously, like, something I'm passionate about, but... You're pretty fucking good at it too. Thank you. Let's be real. It's like progressive overload for life. Yeah. Right? So if I, 
Like my best ever squat was a 668 pound squat, right? If I went in the gym it's the right. first time, it's all right. It's a little light. If I if I went into the gym the first time and tried to do that, what's going to happen? It's going to crush it's gonna you. crumble you, right? Even after a few, you couldn't years, even walk it out, right? Even after a few years, it's going to crush me, yeah. right? Like, and this guy, he's been in school for a while. He did his undergrad, obviously, and now he's getting crushed. It's like, bro, you're just not used to it yet. Yeah. But so even a 500-pound squat going to crush me first time, yeah. right? But what happens, and I, it's funny, I tell people this, like, you even though I can stronger. squat, you know, 600-plus pounds now, 500 pounds doesn't feel any different on my back. It still feels heavy. I just got better at handling it. Yes. That's the only difference. Yes. Okay. 500 and pounds so, is still 500 fucking pounds. Exactly. Yeah, man. And so. Henry you, Rollins has a great quote about that. Yeah. It's, all, the it's, way, a, it's always the way. Yeah. yeah. And so this, it should feel hard. It's going to feel hard, but you're going to get better at handling it. So just, I love this is a lifting term, but just stay in the pocket. Yeah. You know what I mean? Sit mm. in that discomfort, yeah. stay in the pocket, you're, keep showing up. You're describing and, something that I describe in a different way. So, so I describe when people ask me like, what is success? Success is the commitment to the pursuit of your ultimate potential. And the reason it's not the pursuit of your ultimate potential or the realization of your ultimate potential is because your ultimate potential can never actually be realized because of what you, how you explain progressive overload for life. When you go out and you set out to do anything in life, whether that be lifting weights or building a business or anything else. You have X amount of potential because you have X skill set. But as you go down the path and you get crumbled by the weight a few times and you get back up and you put it back on your back and you do a few more reps, what happens is, is your hypothetical skill set for life, because that's what we're talking about here, not weights, gets stronger and more equipped. And when you have better skill set for life, your potential on the back end expands. Okay. So when you think about this and you think about like where you want to be long-term, you have to understand that where you want to be long-term as you are right now will not be where you want to be long-term in five years from now because you're going you're gonna to open up a whole new potential because of the skill set that you gained during this five-year journey of hard shit. Yep. And so that's how true, real, massive, great things are built in life is by consistently raising the bar before you get to the bar because you're recognizing that your skill set is improved, your potential is greater, and still committing to pursuing it, even though you understand that you'll never actually realize it. So this is, this is the way that like the the people who build the biggest shit, who, who live the fullest lives, who do the most shit over the course of their life, who become the people who shape the culture and change the world. This is how they see the world. And this is how they operate. They're raising the bar before they get to the bar because they understand that their capabilities have expanded. I love that. And I think um, you cannot even have a an idea of how capable you could possibly be in a few years if you continue to develop those skills. Yeah. Because again, like I remember it's light years. Right. Because yeah. I remember, you know, hitting my first four hundred pound squat and feeling how heavy that was. And I could never have a and that's after that was after six, seven years of lifting. Yeah. Could never have fathomed a six hundred and sixty eight pound squat. Right. But Six months before I hit that 668 pound squat. Well, I could fathom it. You know what yeah. I mean? I could taste it. Yeah. You know, but it's 
it had to be grown over time and again, go through a lot of hard stuff. And I think the other thing, people in this situation, you mentioned it, like they go into something, they get knocked down or they, they come up against that stress, that anxiety, they feel like something's wrong. No, no, you're right where you need to be. And the question is, I, I tell people, I truly believe the only reason people quit on stuff they're passionate about is to protect their ego because they go, what if I put everything into this and it doesn't work out? No, no, no. If you don't put everything into it, it's not going to work That's out. That's right. Go all in. Like, go all in for that. That what if Find question, out. that what if, that exact what if question costs almost every motherfucker their entire dreams in life. Yep. And I'll, the other thing I'll tell, tell people, this is kind of a separate topic, but I'll say, over planning, paralysis by analysis, and perfectionism has killed more dreams than failure ever could. Failure is a great teacher. And like, there's so many people. It's the only real teacher, bro. Yeah. And I, I, I gave a talk in Canada and I was kind of like, I just thought of this on the spot. I, I said, you know what? When I was doing my PhD, I got to the point where I almost got put on probation from the program. I was so um, despondent and I was actually making pretty good money at the time from coaching. I'm like, I don't need this aggravation. You know, and I remember having this, like this internal talk of, man, I could put everything in this. Maybe I won't, maybe I won't get it. And I, I just remember thinking, yeah, but let's find out. Yeah. And I, that was, that became the talk was like, let's yeah. find out. Right. Maybe not, but let's find out. And I promise you, even if you don't get that, the resilience you will acquire from actually putting in the work and giving it your all is going to translate into something else. And I, what was crazy is um, the guys who organized the seminar, they started sending me texts, like four different people got let's find out tattooed on them oh, after yeah. that, after that seminar. I love that. But it's like, yeah, you, 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 if you're going to try something hard, there's no other way than to really give it your all. And, but it's scary because it's like, what if I did give it at all? And I just wasn't good enough. At least, you know, dude, that what if question you know, I've been in the personal development game for, you know, at a high level for about 10 years. And that question, I think, what if I do all this work and it doesn't work? I think that is the biggest fucking lie that's that people tell themselves in any sh way, shape or form ever about anything. Because I believe it's not even possible. I believe that if you and I've seen this, I don't have a single case that I can point to and say, here's the exception to this rule. Not a single one. If you do the work, the result will come. I, you may not become exactly what you wanted to become. Like, let's say I want to become LeBron James. All right. I'm not becoming LeBron James because I'm not six, eight. All right. And I'm not the level of athlete that that man is. But if I wanted to become pretty good at basketball, I could probably get pretty good at basketball. If I showed up every day and I sh did my drills and shot my free throws and did my three, uh, my three pointers and did my dribbles and did all this shit in five, 10 years, I'm pretty fucking good. That's yeah. reality. Okay. Same thing with you over here with jujitsu. You're a new guy at jujitsu, so to speak. If you give another five years to jujitsu, dude, it, there, there could be no limit to where you go. You could be the guy in the UFC ring. We don't know. But this idea that, that people 
do all this work and then somehow it like doesn't create anything is a fucking lie. It's not reality. It's that's something that is told by our loser friends or our loser parents or our loser teachers or people who don't know what the fuck they're talking about that talk you out of just going down the path. You have to go down the path and and you have to go before you believe in it because the work will always come before the belief. All right. After you do a little work and you start like you see a little bit of result, you're going to start saying, wow, just like you just explained, Lane. Wow. Did you come to my talk? No, but <laughs> I mean, it's like straight yeah, out of it. <laughs> this is rea- that's because this is reality and we're both realists. That's the way it works. Okay. This is that's because this is how it fucking works. It's universal. This ain't my shit. This is just how the fuck it works. If you do the work, you're going to get a little bit of result. When you start to get a little bit of result, you start to say, oh, and it clicks. And you're like, okay, I did this work. I got a little bit of result. Then you're like, well, fuck. All right, I'm going to do a little bit more. And then you do a little bit more and you get a little more result and it clicks again. And then all of a sudden, now you start to understand how the game works in reality and then you're all in. And when you go all in and you start going down the path with the belief that you can become whatever it is that you can become, your limits become literally uh, limitless. I love that, man. Two things you said, walking the path. So that that gets into the, like, I tell people, like, just start executing. Yeah. Stop fucking overanalyzing this stuff and just start doing. Because if you're walking the path, sure, maybe you stumble, maybe you fall down, but other paths will start to open up to you as well, okay, that you don't even know exist yet when you're walking the path. But if you never start, you're not going to have those opportunities. And it's just, the other thing that this made me think of was there's so many like books and seminars on how to develop confidence. I, I can tell you what develops confidence in 10 seconds. Do attempt really hard shit. Go through really stressful times where you don't think you're going to make it and keep going. That's what develops confidence. Because when you've been through some shit and got through it, you go, the next time life punches you in the face, you go, okay, maybe I'm, maybe I'm, I'm not going to stay down. I can get through, like, the stuff I've been through in the last five years, if that had happened to me when I was 20, oh, dude, no fucking way. It would break you. You know what I mean? It would break me. But, I mean, it's, again, progressive overload for Mm -hmm. life, right? The only way you can develop true confidence is to attempt hard stuff, run up against the obstacles, get through those. And I can tell you, whenever you, like, you you and I have talked about this, when I think about the accomplishments that I've gotten, I don't sit there and look at the trophies. I don't sit there and look at the degree. That's not what I think about. What I think about is the really hard shit I went through to get to it. That's what I remember fondly. If you just have everything go right and get something, it's going to be like, you know, uh, Dave Ramsey has a saying, you eat enough lobster, it tastes like soap, right? Yeah. That's, That's because, and the same reason why people who win the lottery are broke in five years. Mm hmm. Because you didn't have to go through anything. It did life didn't teach you anything. None of those skill sets that you gain that you would gain during the normal path were acquired. Exactly. Right. It's easy come, easy go. Exactly. Love that, man. That's some true Probably shit. I got some more than he bargained no, for no, with that, that question. No, that's some true shit what you're saying about what Ramsey said too. About like pe- people don't realize that. Like when you when you you acclimate to anything. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, like, all right. And I'm not saying this to be an asshole, 
But like I could eat whatever the fuck I want every single day. All right. Like not saying calorie wise, but I'm talking quality wise. Sure. All right. Like if I wanted to eat the best fucking steak for dinner that the world has to offer every single fucking night of my life, I could. And in fact, I did that for a while. You know what started happening? I started not appreciating it. Mm hmm. And so I told Emily, I said, don't get those steaks anymore. Mm-hmm. Go back to the regular steaks. Because my mm-hmm. friends used to sell me, send me these like gourmet steaks. I forget where they're from. They're from New York. And um, I fucking loved them so much, I started ordering them. They were expensive as fuck, but I didn't give a shit, right? Like, this is what the fuck I work for. Right. I'm going to eat fucking the best steaks ever, right? And I got so used to eating them that like I was like, this is it? Like, this is it? And so, dude, I intentionally went back to like just getting the regular shit from the grocery store because I wanted to be able to appreciate the good steak when I had the good steak. And so we have to be aware of these things in our lives that we become so accustomed to even the good things and sometimes intentionally make things hard so that we can keep our edge and keep our appreciation, and our gratitude for the, the really, truly good things in life. Yeah, Almost, we I, have to reset that. Yeah. yeah that's and really I, I like I've, I told people like I'm. You know, I do well for myself, and I'm very grateful that it's been a stepwise 20-year process, and yeah. I didn't just hit it big really yeah. quickly Yeah. because there's just been little things along the way where it's like, I remember, like, the first time I had a $100 bottle of wine. Yeah. You know, like, oh, this is cool. Yeah. You know, like, it, it, I still got to have those little wins, whereas, like, you know, if you have it come quick, I mean, you can blow your wad, you know, you can punch that dopamine out pretty quick. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, it doesn't like mean said, anything anymore. Right. Exactly. And so, again, no matter what you make, what your job is, whatever, um, it's going to come down to none of that's going to make you happy. It's feeling like what you do has value and that your work has meaning to me. Yeah. And so, like, don't get me wrong. I want to make a lot of money. I want a whole boatload of it, you yeah. know, but. I know that that's not going to make me happy. All that's going to do is give me an opportunity to buy some of my time back to do more of the stuff I like to do. Mm-hmm. That's real shit. Guys, Andy, Lane, we got one final question. Right. This, is, this is a good one. Um, Andy, I'm 18 years old, and I was raised in a single-parent household by my mother. Uh, she did her best to guide me, but I have massive anxiety when it comes to feeling prepared as a man. Never met my father, no real desire to either, but I've never really had any real man figures to learn from. Um, I see a lot of men online who I feel I can learn from, but I don't necessarily connect uh, with the macho, macho, cut down trees mentality that they define a man of having. Um, What are your thoughts on this? I would love your insight. Mm. Well, first of all, You know, I think it's important to recognize that just because you didn't grow up with a father doesn't mean that you can't be a great father or a great dad or a great man. All right. That's 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 the first thing. In fact, the likelihood of someone who's grown up with a shitty dad or as a shitty father figure to actually be a good father figure and a good dad is much higher than someone who grew up with a good one, because it's no different than someone who grows up rich and then uh, it's generational wealth situation, right? Mm-hmm. Where you have the, the 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 founders and they do very well. They build something from scratch. Then their kids come in and they fuck it up. They become poor. Then they have kids and those kids don't want to be like their parents. So they work really hard. So you have this like every other generation type situation. And I've seen this over and over again with people who grew up without a dad 
who decide that they want to be a great dad. In fact, that's you. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, my father too. Yeah. And, and so you should see that want and that desire that you have inside to be a good man as a tremendous asset to your life because a lot of people take it for granted and they don't even think along those lines. So you were gifted with something that like a lot of people aren't really ever going to have. So recognize that to start. That's a big deal. Okay. Because if you want to be great, you have to have the will and want to be great. And you can't have the will or want to be great unless you can recognize that there's something that needs to change. And you've been gifted with that perspective. And I, I would see that as a gift, not as a, not as a disadvantage. So that's the first thing. The second thing is, you know, when it comes down to this, uh, cut your tree down, you know, masculinity, man, I, I understand. Yeah. yeah, dude, I get that too. Like, cause that's, you know, it's, it's way overcooked. Right. Um, you know, we have, we have a lot of really dumb shit out there when it comes to, to being a good man, you know? Yeah. Um, I think this person, your gut of who you connect with and who you recognize to be a good, strong, solid man example is probably going to be the right person to follow. Uh, we have good gut instincts naturally, especially when we apply our own perspective that whether we're aware of that perspective or not aware of it, we understand, okay, this makes sense to me. This sounds good to me. This looks good to me. It passes the sniff test and you should be able to, you know, um, recognize that. And there's nothing wrong with saying like, this isn't for me because dude, I gotta be real with you. Like there's a lot of this masculinity shit going around. And while I agree that masculinity is very important, I think that it's misrepresented by a lot of the masculinity figures out here. Um, maybe even me sometimes, you know, uh, you know, I curse a lot, you know, I do have a beard, I work out, you know, like I, you know, but I don't sell myself as that. That's not, yeah, that's not my brand makes me a man, but like, yeah, yeah, but like, dude, I see this with people in their content, right? Like people will try to replicate my level of content or my style of content, not recognizing that that's authentically who the fuck I am. Right. So, we have to be authentic as well. So my advice here, if you, like, dude, if you really want to look at like who a good man is without this overly, like, look at my brother. Like, look at my brother, Sal. You should follow my brother, Sal. Like, he's a dad. He's a husband. He works his ass off. There isn't a person I know that works fucking harder than him. And he's a ethically grounded, moral person with high fucking standards for the people around him. And he does the right thing. He helps people out. Uh, he doesn't let people take advantage of him. He's, he has boundaries. I mean, like when I think of a, like a good example, it's really hard for me to find one that I would recommend more than him. And that's, you know, that's coming from somebody who's watched it materialize. Yep. And I'm not saying that cause he's my brother. I'm saying that cause it's the truth. Um, but you know, all in all, man, here's the reality. Be a good person, work to be the best that you can work hard, do the right thing, treat people right, pick people up. Do good things for people. Live the code. You know what I'm saying? Do do onto others what you would want done onto you, even when they don't do onto you the way that you would expect them to. You know, there's there's these are basic things. These are have high integrity. You know, when you fuck up, like we talked about earlier, own it and say, hey, I fucked up. That's my bad. Right. All of these qualities make up what I believe a true masculine man to be. And I think it's misrepresented and kind of overcompensated right now because we've spent the last 20 years 
demasculating men. You know what I'm saying? Like the other end of the yeah, we've been making trying to make men feminine. And reality is, they have they've put atrazine in the tap water and they've worked to put chemicals into food that reduce natural testosterone production. Like there, it's a scientific reality that the average testosterone of a young man now is much less than it was 25 years ago. So these are things that have been intentionally removed from society through, you know, whether it be uh, food or chemicals or social movements such as the Me Too movement or the feminist movement or any of these movements that have basically villainized men for being men, toxic masculinity, right? We've been the enemy for a long fucking time now. So it's very important to recognize and realize that we're overcompensating some on the back end right now. And some of this shit that you see out here, like you don't have to go uh, you don't have to be a bow hunter. You don't have to be someone who walks through the woods with a fucking axe or a chainsaw. Like you don't have to pose real hard in your yeah. pictures. Like, yeah. like, bro, you, you, it's real simple. Like be a provider, be a protector, be a man of honor, be a man of truth, be a good friend. Like these are simple things, man. Give a fuck about people. Give a fuck about what's going on. Th that to me, when I look at men, that is more masculine to me than some dude with a fucking beard and an axe pretending like he's some sort of hard ass. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think the, the point I would make is like, just try to be a good person yeah. in general. I think, you know, everybody has their own definition of what masculinity is. And like uh, a friend of the family that I grew up with, I would consider a very masculine person. He was never loud. He was never boisterous. Um, you know, but he had a quiet confidence about him. And I'm not saying you have to be quiet either, because I'm not, you know. No, but that's masculine but, as well. Yeah, so kind of like just, I think the confidence of like stepping into who you are. Yeah. Um, And then I would say, you know, being able to lead, you know, and, and make hard decisions. And like you said, having good boundaries, like being empathetic and being able to like, be soft when you need to be soft, but also be a protector when you need to be a protector, you know, those sorts of things. Yeah. And I think that's a hard balance to walk, you know, and I, I think it's pretty rare, but I think it's more about being a good person than just like the idea of being the right kind of masculinity. Right. But the fact that this kid is asking this question, it means he's, he's aware gonna, of it. He's going to be okay. Yeah. You know right. I mean? Exactly. The you're aware doing self introspective, right. you know, you're already asking the hard questions. So many people in life when bad stuff happens to them, they just start, they immediately start pointing fingers because they can't take the, the internal stuff. I've been there, you know? Yeah, we've all gone through um, that. And so, you know, like it was like when I was getting ready to be a dad, I was like, you know, I'm worried about being a good dad. And somebody said, that's why you're going to be, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, yeah um, dude, the awareness creates the action that's needed to become. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And I'm I mean, like, you know, uh, I'll, I'll use a quote from my friend, John Deloney, and how important it is to have I mean, having good fathers, um, because one of, I'm going to butcher the quote, but John's quote was, uh, generational trauma is like a wildfire that rolls downhill and burns everything in its path until one brave soul stands up and says, not on my watch. Yeah. Sorry, I'm getting choked up thinking about it because my dad, um, my dad, uh, his father was absent, abandoned his family. Um, he had abusive stepfathers, um, all of his brothers, you know, had all kinds of issues. Um, and my dad isn't perfect by any stretch, but he, you know, like he spanked me a couple of times. We never like actually put his hands on me yeah. as we would call it. And he was a great dad, you know, and he, he, it was literally down to him. He said, 
you know, I just decided that I was going to be everything that my father wasn't. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think the people that, that are actually able to make the difference, it boils down to victim mentality versus accountability. I, I can control how this happens. Like my story isn't written. You can change right now. In fact, one of my favorite quotes is when Robert Downey Jr. was on Oprah. All right. This is years ago. I got this out of a motivational video I saw. And he's, he was talking about his drug addiction. And he said, um, you know, it's not that hard to get past all these seemingly ghastly problems in your life. And Oprah interrupted him and was like, wait, you're saying it's not that hard? He goes, no. What's hard is to decide. Because you have to become somebody different. Mm-hmm. Like when, when something gets so ingrained in who you are, even though you may know it's not good for you, it's not who you want to be, there's so much comfort in what you know. The human brain is wired to like basically hedge all your bets, mm-hmm. right? It's not wired to reach necessarily. And so whenever, even if you know I could have a better life, things would be different, I would like who I am more, it is so hard to get past the idea of being something different, of doing something different. And um, one of the things I said on, uh, I think on Huberman's podcast, I said, you cannot, and I'm talking about like weight loss, but this applies to anything. You cannot become a different person or the person you want to be while dragging all your old habits and behaviors behind you. And um, Ethan Suplee, you guys know Ethan? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, he awesome has, dude. Yeah, he has a phrase whenever he puts up a picture from the gym. He said, I killed my clone today. And if you talk to people who were addicts or people who made drastic life changes, you know, there are skills, there are, there are not tricks, but, you know, there's certain things that are evidence-based to do. But at a certain point, it just boils down to you make a decision that this is not going to be like this anymore. And it doesn't mean that you never slip up again. It doesn't mean that you don't, you know, screw up here and there. But for the most part, you walk the path of being the person you want to be. And if I think about the only times I've really struggled with, like, truly feeling bad about who I was is when my actions were not in alignment with the person I wanted to be. Mm -hmm. And so... Like you get to make a choice every day about who is the person I want to be. And that boils down to on a, on a grand scale, it is the summation of little choices you make every day. And I'll tell everybody, like, listen, again, we talked about it, like nobody's perfect, but be really careful about the small things that you let slide. Mm-hmm. It is so easy. This is coming from somebody um, and I don't mind talking about who had an affair. Okay. First, it started out as like, oh, it's just nice to get some attention. You know, it wasn't like, oh, I didn't want that to happen. But I slowly like eroded what my hard boundary was. Yeah. And eventually you wind up in a place where you go, how the fuck did it happen? Well, I know how it happened. Mm-hmm. This was my line. I said, eh, you know, that line's it's okay. You know, no, it's not okay. That's right. So having your, I think, again, like getting back to masculinity and ethics, again, nobody's perfect, but having your mind like 
and having kids now, this really changes it. Would I want my daughter to grow up married to a guy like me? Would I want my son to grow up to be someone like me? And now I need to retroactively think about how am I going to handle these situations with that being my mindset? And, you know, again, I'm not perfect and I still screw stuff up, but that has been a little bit of a game changer in terms of how I approach things. Yeah. I got, I got two things on this. Uh, the first thing I would say is, um, again, great, great being aware. Like you mentioned, I, this was my life. This was my, my upbringing. You and I have talked about this a hundred times. Plenty of times. Yeah. And, and I think for me, one thing that I kind of had to, that I adapted quickly with my perception of the world was that, you know, I, I, I wasn't able to lean on what I didn't know. I leaned on what I knew, right? And I used the opposite, meaning, you know, I didn't know what a good dad looked like. I knew what a bad one looked like. So just yeah. don't do that, right? Like when it came to, and, and that goes with anything, I just was able to use the opposite. But I would say this, like, you know, when it comes to being authentic, you know, you don't have to go chop down trees, but you should have the capacity to do it. You don't have to be a violent person walking through mad every single day, but you should have the ability to be violent, right? Like you, be, you have to learn all of these skills. And I think as a man, that's one of the most important things is being able to put on these different hats, metaphorical hats, and being able to do that when you need to do that. Right? Yeah. Like if you have to be a protector, be that right there in that moment. If you have to be violent and handle business, be able to do it. Right. Um, and, and to me, that I mean, that that's my biggest thing. I think it's great. I mean, being being that young, I think I was probably around that same age when I started like thinking about, OK, well, shit, like how old he say was he's 18. 18. OK, now I think I was about the same age when I was like, OK, well, who am I supposed to be? You know, who are, you're supposed to be you. you know? Yeah. And it's going to take some time to get there. Yeah. You know? Like knowing. Like knowing who you are internally and then making sure the external manifests that. And yeah. just thinking about what you said, I remember what is the old China or Japanese proverb, which is better to be a warrior in a garden than a, a gardener in a war. Yeah. Right? That's real shit, man. That's real. Well, guys, Andy Lane, that was three. Yeah. Hey, Lane, thank you so much for coming on the show again, bro. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Welcome anytime. It's always great to see you. Um, I thought the show was great. I, I appreciate your input and advice. I'm sure everybody else did as well. Uh, where can people follow you at if they're not following you so far? Yeah, so, I mean, social media is kind of my digital business card. At yeah. uh, BioLane is where you can find me on most platforms. And then my website, BioLane.com, has all my stuff on there. And then, cool. like, you know, my nutritional coaching app, Carbon yeah. <laughs> Diet Coach, um, for people who are looking for, like, really affordable nutritional help. Um, but, I, you know, I do the whole gamut in the fitness industry. So whatever you need help with, uh, one of my companies or one of my products can help you. There you go. All right, guys. Well, that's the show. Don't forget to pay the fee and uh, don't be a hoe. Share the show. Sleeping on the floor, now my jewelry box froze. Fuck a bowl, fuck a stove, counted millions in the cold. Bad bitch, booted swole, got her on bankroll, can't fold, does a no, headshot, case closed.